0: Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's Super 6 podcast. It's myself Laura Woods and usually I'd be saying hello to Mr. bio in but yet again he's managed to skip the podcast. Um, he plays more for Wiccan than he does actually appear on this podcast, which I know is quite hard to believe. So what we've done, I can't call him a super sub. I can call him super something, but he's definitely not a super sub, he's more than that. It's Mr Super Ali McCoist. Hello to Ali.
1: Laura, how are you? Listen, you can call me anything like you normally do, and I don't mind being a substitute for that great man. I'm really looking forward to this. I've got to say, how are you getting on?
0: Oh, very well. It's essentially like for like, isn't it? It
1: is. It's, it's, it's very much. The only, the only difference now, I've got to say to you, the only difference is you're actually smaller on this screen than you are in my morning one and, on Talksport Breakfast. I've got you bigger on that one. Oh, so you've, you've cut <laughs> well, down in size that's the
0: only difference this is really weird for me i don't know how you feel about it but normally we've been meeting at 12 hours ago so so essentially what we're doing is is we're meeting in after hours talk sport it's it's kind of like we're allowed to say all sorts of things on this we're probably allowed to swear i mean we won't just in case but it does feel like a kind of after hours isn't it
1: it really does i must admit though i'm looking forward to it um because first and foremost Brilliant guest coming on, who will be right up my street. I can't tell you how such, excited such I am. Guest. Clearly, oh, guest. I know. I think I think it's safe to say the majority of the the listeners will know which team I'll be, I I support and used to play for. So I can't tell you how excited I am to have our guest on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We do indeed have a Celtic player on. Just for Ali, <laughs> just joking.
1: How dare you!
0: How dare you? (laughs) Just joking. Uh, It is a brilliant guest. I'm sure he's absolutely, feels like he's flying at the moment still. They've won the Scottish Premiership. Um, He has a big part to play in that. We're very, very excited to meet him. So let's go for it. Predict six correct scores on Super 6 this week for a chance
1: to win £250,000. Download the app and play by 3pm on Saturday. Head to skysports.com forward slash Super 6 for more details.
0: This week's guest is ready to join us and uh, Rangers fans, will be very, very excited about this one because not only do we have Sir Ali McCourt, he's the absolute legend. I just knighted him. We are now joined by Kemar Roof. Hello to Kemar. How are you doing?
2: Hi, Kemar. Yeah. Hello, hello. I'm
1: good, thank you, sir. Oh, very, up. very well. The first thing I want to do is A, congratulate you on the title, but also, more importantly, congratulate you on that top you're wearing. Is that- <laughs> That tops of a vintage I
2: can relate to, my friend. Yeah, I heard you were coming on, so I thought, let me, let me wear appropriate attire just for you.
0: That is brilliant. What year is that? Just explain to the listeners. that
1: there's, there's, no there's, no there's no need to divulge years or anything like that, would you?
2: <laughs> Kemar has done fantastically well. <laughs> 1993, my year of birth.
0: Oh, no, you just did him dirty there. You did. You didn't even mean to, but you did.
2: I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> It, it's an um, iconic Papa. So
1: I had to get one. I want to ask you, first of all, if I may, tell me how you're feeling when that news came through that Celtic had drawn the game up at Tanadice, You know, It must have been incredible. I, I, I'm led to believe that you were actually at the training ground. Is that true? Yes,
2: yeah, so we were at the training ground. Supposed to be doing a recovery session um, <laughs> with the game in the background. But it it was a perfect moment. Everyone's there watching the game. Now I kind of understand how it feels to be a fan watching. But it was strange because I was watching the game, but I had no connection towards the other teams. But I wanted a certain result. um, (laughs) And we got the result, so it was amazing.
0: Obviously, it had been coming because this season, you and the team have just been incredible. And under Steven Gerrard, it all seems to be clicking. And clicking really well. So when it did happen in that way and you weren't on the pitch and you celebrated, when you're looking around at your teammates, what's that feeling like?
2: Yeah, it's very strange because it felt like someone else was winning you the league. Whereas a lot of the players, a lot of us wanted felt it to win that game. So then we could actually win the league ourselves by playing them the following week. So it, it
1: was it was a strange moment. Okay, man, I was going to say to you, Looking at the level of performances throughout the year, at this stage to go through the league campaign and have the have the league won undefeated, yeah. I mean, I've got to say, at, at the start of the season, Kemar, I was I was very very hopeful and optimistic that the boys could do it, but the yeah. way that the way that you've done it, frankly, has been absolutely fantastic, remarkable. You know, to I think the boys have a including the draw at the weekend, am I right in saying five
2: draws and every other one victories? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of those draws, the gaffer wasn't happy, the players weren't happy. Um, those draws felt like losses. So that, I think that in itself just shows the sort of demand we have on each other um, and what we wanted to achieve this season.
0: Yeah, it's like high standards. That's that's the great thing about that, I think. Yeah. Does, does that come in? Obviously, as a footballer, you have high standards anyway, but is that something that, that Steven Gerrard is very big on?
2: Yeah, definitely. It comes from the gaffer. He's naturally like that. When he was a player, he was like that. So he was naturally going to bring it as a manager. He's been at the club this is his third season, so each year he's been building to bring in players with that same mentality. And I think we've got a dressing room where everyone has the same mentality to win. We want to win. Even in training, we have to win.
0: So, Kamar, we'll go through winning the Scottish Premiership for the first time in what, stopping... Celtic for doing it for, what, 10 years on the bounce, which is just incredible in, its, in itself. And we'll talk about what Steven Gerrard is, like a manager and your team spirit. But before we get into all of that, it has been quite a difficult couple of weeks for you, hasn't it? With, with everything that's happened. Talk us through, first of all, the collision that happened in, in Europe and how you felt about that.
2: Yeah, like you said, it well, you might as well say the last few weeks have been crazy because we've gone from winning the league With an excitement, like a party type of excitement to a few days later, we have to focus because we got a massive Europa League game. So the ability to switch mindset from having fun to being focused again to start winning things was a challenge. Um, And we've done that and we managed to get a a decent result, 1-1 at their place. And then the following week at our place, It went to disappointment from from losing, and also then it it switched to anger with the different things that were happening in the game, which is is not acceptable. But I think a lot of it did stem from my tackle. It it, it looked bad. It is is bad for the the goalkeeper. Um, It hurt him a lot. But it was not on purpose at all. I, re- I was receiving a ball from Conor Goldson, a ball over the top, and especially at the speed that we play, at, you you can't you can't move out the way or you can't prevent things from happening. And it was literally a a bad um a bad accident.
0: How do you feel that when when that happened? Because naturally. I mean, a lot of the blame will obviously fall at your feet because they'll say, "Look, it, it's your fault," and, and for whatever reason, because you're right. When you stop it and when you watch it as a as a photo rather than, you know, real time as, as it's actually happening, it, it does look bad. So, so how does that feel for you? Because because you're obviously sitting there going, "God, I, I didn't mean to do this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't deliberately hurt anybody like that."
2: Mm-hmm. No, of course. People that know me, they know I'm I'm, I'm not that type of player or even person. I never got on the pitch to think I need to have a fight or to hurt somebody. All I want to do is play well, help the team win games. Um, and that's what I was trying to do. I was on the bench, itching to get on, especially as a striker, you itching to get on. You want to you wanna make a difference. You want to help the team win the game. And as soon as I saw the ball coming over from Connor, I thought, this is a good chance for me to get in here. I managed to look across the line and, and see that I, I was onside, unmarked and then my eyes went back on, onto the ball and the ball bounced extremely high a bit too high for my head so I had to try and reach for it with my foot I managed to get there first and get a touch on the ball and obviously my follow through collided with the keeper because he was running straight at me um, at, at the time I didn't realise my foot landed on his, on his face because he Obviously, we both landed on the floor. He landed on his front, covering his face, and then only until he rolled over. I started seeing the blood. Um. Obviously, your first impressions. You 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 feel bad. You, that's why you you're walking off the pitch. You feel bad because you've you've hurt a fellow professional footballer, and you don't mean to do it. But it like I said, it was it was an accident. It was I got to the ball first, and the keeper collided with me and there's nothing I could have done about it.
1: Kemar, okay, I've got to say to you, mate, it was exactly how I called it at the time and exactly what I said in the radio the following morning. There's absolutely no doubt it was just it was just a terrible accident. It was as simple as that because I saw exactly what happened. The ball came over your shoulder. You lifted your yeah. foot up to get the ball and, un- and it was a very, very unfortunate collision. I'd won myself, Kemar. Um, many years ago, yeah. very similar, where I was up at Petodre at Aberdeen and, and the pitch was very wet and the ball came across and I slid in. And unfortunately, because of the, the pitch was 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 very slippery and wet, I slid and my knee went into the goalkeeper's jaw and his face and he actually he had a compressed yeah. depressed fracture of, of 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 his jaw effectively. Um, and it was just a complete horrible accident. I could feel your pain because it actually took me back to that moment, how bad that I felt. I knew in my heart of hearts, I knew 100%, my friend, it was a complete accident, but you still felt bad for the goalkeeper. And at that moment, I could feel your pain. Yeah,
2: of course. And you You can watch the video and see I'm clearly watching the ball. Never once see where the keeper is until... I knew knew the keeper was off his line while the ball was in flight. But by the time I get to the ball, I don't know where the keeper is. And my eyes were back on the ball. I never once looked back at the goalkeeper. I won the ball first. And then, obviously, I collided with the keeper. But, obviously, with the the photos that everyone is seeing, they're only seeing me land on the goalkeeper. But they're never seeing me win the ball first. So, naturally, everyone's going to think, yeah, maybe he's done it on purpose It, it it's really terrible something like this shouldn't have happened in the game but they never shown the pictures of me winning the ball or touching the ball first hmm. which is a bit unfair on, on my part.
0: Kemar you said a minute ago as well you were talking about what happened on the pitch and and, and everything else that boiled over those comments that were made and um I've listened to Stephen Gerrard in his post-match interview as well. I've I've listened to what he says on it. And um, ultimately, Glenn Kamara is saying he was racially abused on the pitch. He didn't just finish on the pitch as well. I know that you received racial abuse on social media as well afterwards. How difficult is this uh, for you to take in a a game that you play because you love it and it's your profession and you feel now, I imagine, that you're still subjected to, to racial abuse in the year 2021?
2: No, yeah, it's unacceptable. First, on the pitch, I, d- I just don't know what goes through people's heads to even think about doing it. And regarding Glenn Kamari, he's not someone that's going to make it up or react in a way unless it's really needed. Um, so he's not going to make it up. Plus, what I've been getting on social media, I'm still getting it now, still today. If I was to post a picture... I think a vid- I posted a video yesterday and you read all the comments and I'm still getting all the emojis, all the words now. I go into my messages on Instagram. I'm getting tons and tons of messages now. Um, So I'm not sure when it's actually going to stop for me personally. What can I do? I can't do anything. I'm not going to not go on social media because I want to use it. Okay, man, I've got to
1: share you, mate. I can only imagine, because I don't know what it's like, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful that you know that there's a lot more people, a lot more people with you than against you. That's for sure. And I, I obviously follow you. And, and I was saying to the guys earlier on, you put a brilliant post up. I don't know whether it was today or yesterday. And there was a photograph of yourself and Scott Brown, the Celtic captain. And I saw it, and I, I thought it was a, a great post. And you said there's some big games of football effectively along these lines and there's there's none more important than the Rangers Celtic game You said mm-hmm. but some things
2: are even more important than that and
1: I thought it was a brilliant post
2: my friend yeah it's true because obviously in the football world everyone loves people people love football for some people it's more important than family or or anything they live breathe football but there's a bigger world than just the football world. And also, the last season, the whole coronavirus, I think that put everything in perspective because we couldn't play football anymore because there was something that was more important than football. So I think that opened, especially opened my eyes up because sometimes you think in, in the so-called football world, you're untouchable, it's safe, we can do things a bit differently. But no, yeah. there's still things out there like corona light, racism, that a, a, a lot more important than football.
0: Hmm. Myself and Ali have these discussions um, on the Breakfast Show that we do together about what should be done and and how to deal with this. And um, we spoke about this the other day with Troy Deeney, actually. And, and I was saying to Troy, I don't know whether footballers almost feel like... They've, they've done enough, they've done all that they can. Like, what more can you guys do? We, we were talking about taking the knee or standing as well. I know that's something that, that you guys have talked about too. Um, whether or not you got, you kind of feel it's out of our hands now, it has to be the authorities in football and the authorities in social media as well and in society that, that are the ones that can actually make change.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's the It's the people that are in charge, the people that run UEFA, They have to do something about it. They have to punish the people that are doing it. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. Social media, they need to control what... They've they've created an absolute machine. You can use it for good or you can use it for evil, but they need to control it and manage it. And it's too easy for people to go on social media and abuse someone else. There's a lot of importance about mental health. Some people can't handle the comments that I'm getting. Luckily for myself, I can kind of ignore it and go about my business. But there's a lot of people out there that can't do that. To receive comments every day abusing you, something needs to be done by the social media owners.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Let's talk to you about something that you really love and that is football because I think, you know, we've got you on and and obviously we wanted to talk to you about those things and and we thank you for talking about them because we can't even begin to imagine how that feels um, yeah. because I've never been racially abused at, at all. I've never been subject to anything because of the colour of my skin. So I can't imagine it, let alone trying to do my job and, and be abused for the colour of my skin in that sense. So I feel like actually we, we stop giving them airtime and we focus on on your career and what you've done and how you've got to this point because we've got so much to get through. Um, you started off at West Brom 2011. What were your early days like there?
2: It was, it was good it was mixed it was good um, I started when I was six and the West Brom Academy to learn football is very good it, tactically technically physically mentally they teach you everything everything you need to know but the, the difficult bit was when you get to that stage of you're too old for academy football but then you need to break into first team and I think that's that's the bit where I struggled with and I, and I started to dislike that time of my career. I was
1: going to say to you, I'm looking at you, obviously looking at the times you had at, at West Brom, and there's a couple of things I never knew about you. For example, you went out and loan a few times. Yeah. You know, you you went out to, I think you went to record Northampton Town, Cheltenham, Colchester, Oxford. Yeah. To me, I think that's fantastic because you wanted to go out and experience not only different different football teams and different types of football, but also you weren't scared to try different countries either.
2: Yeah, no, it's right. For me, I like change. I'm not scared of change. and I can adapt, but I also want to succeed. So if I'm not succeeding somewhere here, I need to think about going somewhere else to do it. Like I said, at the time at West Brom, I was doing so much in the academy system and I didn't feel like I was, I was improving anymore, could go any further because I don't think I was getting that chance to go into the first team. So yeah. therefore, I needed to find first team football somewhere else to be able to prove myself. Not Well, yeah, show everyone what I can do. But sometimes certain teams or certain moves aren't always good for you. Sometimes they don't work out. And I think some of those low moves didn't. But I also, I don't regret them either because I learnt a lot from each and each one of those low moves.
0: Which ones do you feel did work out for you and which ones didn't?
2: Oxford worked out for me.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about Oxford then. Um, because you yeah. won League Two, you were PFA Player of the Year that year as well. So it didn't just work out, it worked out very well.
2: <laughs> yeah, it did because the, that uh-huh. pre- the, the, pre- the previous season so that one when we got promoted I think for six weeks I, I was actually on loan to Oxford then and then the following season I signed permanently so that that loan move set me up for the following season to sign there permanently and kick on and I think Oxford was the place where I was able to make a name for myself to be allowed to express myself
1: okay, man, I was just looking because your goal ratio at Oxford that year was Excellent, mate. I mean, I think unless I'm mistaken, it was about eighteen and forty. Yeah. Is that was that the first period in your career where you must have really felt good about yourself and enjoyed your football and think, thinking to yourself, you know, I'm
2: going to score goals every game here. Yeah, because like I said before, I signed there permanently. I was on loan for six weeks, and I think that the last seven, the last seven games of that season, I must have scored six goals. So then I, w- I had that good feeling, ready to go into the next season and I kind of had like a, a bit of a pressure on me because I was I was signing there with like a bit of an expectation that I need to do well for for the club and for myself. But I kinda of, I, I like that because I, I believe in myself, I know what I can do and also I had the, the players around me to allow me to to get the best out of myself, to play the football that I need to play, but I was—I think I was—I played a lot of that season on the left wing, yeah, left, le- left midfield, um, and then the odd occasions I was allowed to go down the middle as a, as a, as a ten. So I was able to get some goals, and I enjoyed it.
0: Tell us about the interest from Leeds and when that started because you're playing for Rangers now and obviously that's a huge fan base and, and Leeds is another one of those giant fan bases.
2: Yeah, well, to be fair, one of the reasons I did sign at Oxford was with Michael Appleton, the manager. He he helped me so much and he understood my journey and where I wanted to to get to. And when I signed, I I, I told him I, I want to I be, I want to go to the Premier League, I want to keep, going up the leagues as quick as possible. And he said, yeah, that's fine, because if you play well and get the interest, it means you're playing well for Oxford, so we're going to do well. So it, it all it all worked for each other. And he allowed me to move. Plus, he also, it, it, it helped me. He knew the teams that were interested and it, it helped me decide which one to choose.
1: Kim, that's what I want to ask you for me. When did you find out, first of all, about Leeds' interest and was your head ever turned about the possibility of going somewhere else or did you think immediately Leeds is the
2: place for me? Well, I I knew about some interest in January. So say I played the six months at Oxford. I was getting interest in January. But Mike Appleton said, no, it's not happening in January. We we need you. We, We need to get promoted. So. It's not happening. But at the end of the season, at the end of the season, it's a different story and we can sit down and I'll help you choose where you want to go. But January, it's not happening. And for me, I understood that because at the start of the season, I had two two aims. I want... And I told Michael Offerton as well, I wanted... We wanted to get promoted as a team and individually, I wanted to be the best player in the league as well. And... So my mind was already set from the, from the start of the season that promotion, best player of the league, and to be best player of the league and promote promotion. I needed to play the full season, so I didn't mind going anywhere in January because I knew if I kept doing what I needed to do, end the season, interest will still be there, and it it was.
0: Tell us about uh, the early days at Leeds then, because it was a little while, wasn't it, before you really hit your form and it took a while for you to score. That must have been quite difficult. And then eventually when you got into scoring, what was it that you think clicked for you?
2: I think the big part was my position. I, I went to Leeds and I kept getting played left wing. And that first season was very defensive minded and I found it very difficult to adjust for that formation, that style of play in that position. Because really all I wanted to do was go forward and create, have a bit of a free role. like I was having at Oxford. But at Leeds I had to play a set position. I had to be very regimented. That season I got a lot of assists, but my goals weren't good at all. I think I only scored three that season and it took me a long time to get that first goal. And I don't know if I was maybe trying too hard to score, which... I think, Ali, you'd know as a striker, especially when you've come from a season where you scored freely and now all of a sudden you're not scoring, but you're assisting a lot. You you want to score, especially at a big club like Leeds.
1: Can I ask you, Kemba, briefly then, what where would you, if you had a choice, because I know Stephen and Rangers play with the three up front and I've I've seen you play in the right, I've also seen you play through the middle and I've also seen you play in the left and you played them all yeah. well. yeah. Do you prefer in any specific position? And for example, do you like having a striking partner? Could you would you enjoy a four four two, for example?
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's I get asked this question a lot, and it's hard for me to to give a, a straightforward answer because growing up, I was always put out on the left hand side, left wing, because even though I'm right footed, I could use my left foot. And you, you know, in a lot of teams, there's not a lot of left footed players, so. It was, OK, you can use your left foot, so you can go on the left-hand side. Even though really deep inside, I was a goal scorer. But because of my height and size, I was always overlooked as a number nine striker. So I always got pushed to the side and said, go and play on the wing because you're not as tall or you're not as big. So that's why everyone they used to see me as a winger. Even though really, in my head, I was a number 10, I was a number nine. Because I could score goals or create goals, so I learned how to play out wide. Um, but really, I'm 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 a player that to get the best out of me, play down the middle, because y- you get more options to be able to go wherever you want. Then you get more of a freedom to to roam. I don't like to be tied down into one position, like as if it's the beauty of footballer. I don't like that. <laughs>
0: That's a good way of describing it. Yeah, that must be frustrating because yeah. esen- essentially you're being in your punished might be too hard a but you know what I mean. You're you're being punished for being versatile.
2: Yes, it is. But also, also, I was. I think I was being punished because I wasn't the biggest. Mm. That's what it was to start with. I wasn't. I wasn't the biggest. There was there were bigger players than me in my age group growing up, so they suited the coach more as a number nine than me. So then I, I had to play the long game and I had to wait for my time to then eventually get played as a number nine or as a 10 and then prove that I can actually do it. And that took, that took halfway through the second season at Leeds to show I can actually play as a number nine by myself. And that was only because um, Chris Wood got a, a move to Burnley and also the, another striker we had got injured. So then we had no number nine. So then I got I just got pushed as a number nine because we had no one else to play there. What do you
1: think of this current Leeds side under Bielsa? Because Laura and I talk most mornings and, and I just love watching them. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who the opposition is. I just love their style of play and I love their attitude to play. And I think they've been a breath of fresh air this year.
2: Yeah, no, they have. Definitely. I love watching them play, even though Nervous watching because I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, (laughs) you know, it's going to be entertaining.
0: That's exactly it, isn't it? You, you could see ten goals. Although the other day there was a nil-nil draw, and we were like, "What? That's a bit weird." Like, when yeah. when was the last time they were involved in a nil-nil draw? Not it's mad, isn't it? Uh, talking about lots of goals, I want to take you back to Boxing Day 2018. So you're playing Blackburn. They believed they'd scored a last-minute winner, and then you came along, scored goals in the 91st minute and then the 94th minute, and completely ruined it for them. Just tell us about your memories of that day.
2: I think that's one of the days I'll never forget in football. Yeah. That was it was unbelievable. As as um scoring a goal anyway, when it's drawing a comeback, when we need to win at home, last minute, poof, yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Even you just watch, the, I watch the videos now and again of that goal and the celebrations. The whole all the all all of our players were just running in different directions, <laughs> just with emotions. It was it was tough. And then I think the the week after we had Villa and it was a last-minute goal at Villa as well. And it was unbelievable soon again.
1: I've got to say, you take me back. I, I, you talk about the emotion of, of those goals, Kemal, right? I've seen you score two goals this season that I'll never forget, never mind you forgetting. Mm. both of them, well, Both of them in Europe, I mean... Absolutely. I know I'm jumping away from Leeds United, but we're talking about goals here. I mean, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Tell me, first of all, the, the the one that you've hit from the halfway line. I'm doing the commentary in the game and I'm looking at the clock and I see you knock it round the defender. And I'm saying to myself, good, take it to the corner. Take it to the corner. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you had other plans, mate. <laughs>
2: yeah, i Yeah, it was yeah, but the, the the thing is, the amount of times I've tried to score that type of goal, it's a lot, whether that's in training or whether that's in in games. But you only remember when it actually goes in. So I'm 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 pleased with that. Um, I think the following season when I was previous season when I was at Anderlecht, Vincent Company used to literally go crazy at us. Everyone shooting outside the box. And he's like, "Stop! Everyone, stop shooting outside the box, <laughs> because he had a, sh- a chart where like the percentage of goals scored on the pitch, and the highest percentage of goals are always scored inside the box." So he was like, "Anybody got the ball outside the box? No shooting. Only shoot inside the box."
0: That's coming from Vincent Company, who Yeah, scored one of the yeah. best goals outside the box.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think as a manager, it it, it must be frustrating when. You, you play the shooting and the ball's going up in the stand and you just just wasted an attack. So I could get where he was coming from, but for me, it was like, when you feel feel the chance to shoot, you just have to take it sometimes. And it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, I can't explain it. it. It just happens, it's spurred the moment.
0: I'm sure Ali knows exactly what you're talking about. Um, I'm going to bring you back to Leeds, if you don't mind, because um, we do have a minor Bielsa obsession on this podcast. It's been known, uh, not just this podcast, also myself and Ali. Pretty sure anyone I work with actually feels the same way I do about um, Marcelo Bielsa. Tell us about the the last couple of games that you had for Leeds, um, the playoff semi-final against Derby. Um, You scored the winner, then you missed the second leg through injury. How hard was that to, to miss, especially with what happened after and the, the kind of resulting missing it?
2: Yeah, I know. It's, it's been a, a problem of mine. I keep doing really well and then I end up getting some form of niggle or injury to kind of stop my progression to keep the momentum going. And obviously we just missed out on automatic promotion that season, which was difficult to take. But then we all regrouped and we got together and we just said final push for the playoffs. We can we can still do this, and we showed it in the first leg. We we went to their place. I managed to get a goal. Um, so everyone was happy. We, and then we was ready for the next game, and it, I just knew there was there was a tightness in in my leg, and I, I knew it it wasn't going to be good. Um, I kept. Telling everybody I'll be fine, I'll be fine, but in the back of my head, I kind of knew it was it wasn't going to be, and it was very disappointing because y- y- you don't want to be missing these big games. This is why you play football to 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 compete in these big games to 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 show how how good you are or or get that bit of glory for yourself for the team for the for the club, especially for a club like Leeds as well that demands so much and deserves so much as well. And I thought this was our chance to, to achieve something massive. Kemar, tell me
1: a little bit about that. How do you handle that personally? Because for, for non-sports people that perhaps don't play sport, it would be an interesting question and answer for them to hear. Because clearly it's a massive, massive disappointment when you're missing games of that magnitude. So how do you
2: handle that mentally? That's the most difficult thing in football is getting injured um, because one you're missing games, two you feel like you're letting the manager, your teammates, and the fans down because you're not out there fighting for the team to win to win games. For me, that's the hardest bit. I feel like I'm letting people down. I feel like I'm not pulling my weight or I'm not helping when I could be helping. So for me, that's the hardest bit to deal with but I think it stems from for me to be able to handle it it stems from I suppose getting overlooked when I was younger not getting to play the position that I wanted to or getting the the praise or the shine that I feel that I could have got and um, so that me growing up with that has maybe built my mental strength for so I think I can handle most things in football, most disappointments. You kind of just have to just swallow it and then get on with it. I think that's the best way to describe it. And also, I I read a lot of psychology books and also worked with psychologists before to kind of to help improve that side of things as well, which I think is important.
0: What sort of things do you learn from those? Because I find that side of... of- of sport or life in general really fascinating about how you almost compartmentalise things. And, and do you sometimes just have to say, right, that's football. I'm going to just, football's done for the day. I'm going to go and focus on something else and the other things in my life I love.
2: Yeah, that that's difficult. That's one thing I've been working on because you could have a bad game or a bad session or something might annoy you regarding football. And then the worst thing is to take it back home with you. Because one, it's not fair on your family. And two, it doesn't help getting rid of that feeling in your head. You can't... To to deal with disappointment and any anything regarding psychology is how fast can you park it up in your head and put it back in your head and forget about it? How fast can you get over something? Um, the quicker you can do it, the better you'll be. Um, any disappointments, any mistakes, the quicker you can get rid of a disappointment the better you will be.
0: Did you learn anything about psychology under Marcelo Bielsa or or what is it what was the biggest thing that you learned under him and how did he develop
2: you? I didn't no I didn't develop psychology under him I developed a kind of robustness to know you can keep going keep keep working keep working keep working keep working like a machine you don't really need to rest or take a break you just need to keep working so that's what I learned with him because you have to be fit, you have to keep running. You see when leads play, that you don't see anyone just walking or jogging. Everyone's a full sprint. They have to sprint to the ball. If the ball gets passed, you need to sprint back into position or sprint with the opposition. So I learned that side of things, to know I can push my body even further. And also with, with Bielsa, understanding the game even more, how simple to make the game, even down to formations, I bet if you ask a lot of players or fans about formations, explain formations, they won't really know. They won't really know how to break formations down. And I, until working with BLS I didn't know how important different formations were. And he's he just working with him. He just made it so clear. And you think, well, this this is genius. And it it's probably just simple to him.
1: I can hear from what you're saying. You're obviously a player who goes into every training session with your eyes and ears open, whether it's Appleton, Bielsa, Gerrard. I feel as though, from what I'm listening to, you're, you're wanting to soak up all this knowledge. It's so important to you, obviously.
2: Yeah, it's because my main thing in football is, when I retire, I want to be able to say I've achieved everything I set out to do. I want to be the best player I can possibly be. And to do that, I need to keep improving and I think the best way to keep improving is by listening to my managers, my coaches, anybody that can give me some positive advice to improve me, I'm I'm going to listen. Sometimes it is hard to take criticism, but as soon as you can accept it and and digest it yourself and take what you feel like you need from it to improve you, then I think that's the best thing to do
0: what did you learn? We've, we've spoken a bit about Vincent Company, the fact that he doesn't like you taking a shot from outside the box. <laughs> um, what
2: did he teach you? With Vincent Company, he taught me a, a lot of things, especially, well, one, I had to learn how to play his style of play, which is similar to Man City's. And that was, that was different to Bielsa's football. So I, I went there, I had to learn the role and the job I had to do within a position. And also tactics. I learned a lot of tactics. So, a lot of the days I've come out of the meeting of the, the tactical meetings we used to do before training sessions and I'd go back on my phone and write down a lot of the stuff that he's just said because it's it's so interesting and there's so much knowledge there. One, from, to help my game now and also if I want to be a manager or a coach in the future, I've got it all there and I won't forget about it.
0: Do you want to? Do you think you could go into that?
2: Um growing up I always said I'll never be a coach or never be a manager because I don't have the, the patience <laughs> but maybe it's because I never worked with a manager or a coach that made it more interesting like now I'm seeing football and coaching how can I explain it as a sum like mathematics or a bit of science a, a formula it, there's more to it than just just play football uh, one, if you if you change a little something over here, it'll have a massive effect over there. And I find that interesting.
0: That's what you call a student of the game, Ali, isn't it?
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. A hundred percent. It's it's great to listen to. How did you handle the kind of other side of Anderlecht? And by that, I mean a different way of life, a different language, different people. I'm guessing looking at you and listening to you, it's clearly something you embraced.
2: Yeah, for me, I think my, my main strength is to be able to adapt quickly to different things. Um, I don't rely on anything or anyone. I can kind of just go with the flow. But off the pitch side of it was difficult because it's not just about me. It's about my family, how they settle, how they went about their day-to-day lives. And for me, I found that difficult. It was a very nice place to live out there, but for them, not not everyone is like me. Not everyone in my family is like me, where they can adapt as quickly as me. And I, I had to take that into consideration and kind of give more of my energy to help with that side of things. And I thought that was, that was difficult. But now returning back to the UK, myself and my family, we're glad that we've done it because now... We don't have any fear of anything, of living in a different country, living in different areas, meeting new people, even down to little things. So if you were to go on holiday, not many people would rent a car and drive in that country because they might be a bit scared or they've never done it before. Me and my family, we've, we've got no fear with that. We just We'll do it. We could drive it. A right-hand wheel car in a different country, or a left-hand wheel car in a different country, and just little things like that. Because we've been there, done it, it's made us—I don't know—it's improved us or made us stronger, which is good.
0: But nothing prepared you for living in Scotland, though.
2: I—I—I <laughs> I, I, I had to make sure I've got my um, my winter coat ready. <laughs>
0: Doing, sorry, Ali, Listen,
1: i Listen, you, you don't need to... I, I've been here for most of my life, my friend. I know you can get rain, you can get hailstones and snow in the yeah. one day,
2: mate. I know where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. I, literally, every day, every day, I never leave the house without my big coat on. Like, literally, the Everyone that sees me, they must, they must think, does this guy never get changed, or does he, does he have another coat? But I can't take the risk. I, every day I come out of the house, I've got my big coat on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what? So what? What convinced you to join? In in, in all honesty, because. I mean, I, I don't need to, you two know better than I do uh, the, what, what it's like, you know, the, the massive fan base and, and how much Rangers uh, means to, to Glasgow and to not just Glasgow, but Rangers fans all around the world. Who convinced you to join? And what was it like?
2: Who convinced me to join? It's an easy one. Same as all the other teams that I've, I've been at. It's the, the club, the size of the club, the fan base, the history and the gaffer. The combination of those things, with a lot of the moves that I've 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 had, and Leeds, Rangers, Oxford, it it it's an easy decision for me, and I suppose it's probably silly for me because the last thing I look at is the teammates, the players that they've already got. the the, the rest of it sells sells it for me. came okay, on, I've got to
1: see to you, and it's only a believe me, it's only a small. And minor disappointment in what has been a fantastic season, but I can guarantee you one thing, Kemar. See, see when those fans get back in that stadium, mm-hmm. you you will absolutely love it. You love it like never before. Believe me.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I do get reminded every day by the gaffer, by the staff. If I'm in the supermarket next door, neighbours, anybody I see or talk to, they they never fail to remind me how. The atmosphere at Ibrox, home and away. I can't wait. And even when you're you're on the pitch and you just look off into the stands and you see all those seats, you, you, it's incredible. You you kind of get goosebumps just seeing it. And that's with no fans. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like with the fans.
1: It's relatively simple. You just have to do it all again next season. <laughs> that's all you've got
2: to do. It's quite simple. Yeah, I know. Exactly. You're right. Yeah, very true. <laughs> it's true.
0: Talk to us about this season, then, because to go unbeaten is amazing. And and obviously, at some point, you must have looked at each other and gone, "I think we're probably going to do it." Or did you start off going, "We've got something special here"? Like, you know, how does that work?
2: No, you start off thinking, "We've got something going on here. We've got we've got the players, we've got the staff, we've got the setup. We we, we can really do something here." And then obviously, we, you take it game by game. You keep getting the three points. You keep building, then you see the second team, the third team, maybe drop some points, but then we get through more, three more points, and it keeps going. But then the, you never ever think throughout the season, yeah, we've got, we've won it here, we've got it. Never once. You always, you always kind of fighting. We can't, we can't mess up here. We can't. So we've we always have that focus game by game. But then seeing now that we've won it, it felt a lot easier. But when you're in the moment, you can never think like that. You can never think we're, I don't know, fifteen points or eighteen points ahead of Celtic. In our heads, we're we're one point ahead of Celtic because we need to keep winning. But obviously, anybody on the outside looking in, you think, yeah, you have won the league already. You're fifteen points ahead. It's easy now, but in in the moment, it, it's not. It wasn't. You're just tunnel vision. Next game, we need to win it.
1: Looking at it, Kemar, and 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 it. They sometimes say the the first championship or the first title is the hardest, but I look I look at Rangers just now. I look at the management and I look at the squad, and I and I think I think Stephen will, will, will strengthen the squad if if he possibly can. Do you feel that this is just the beginning for this group of players?
2: Yeah, it is, and plus, soon as we soon as we won the the league. That's what the, gaff, the the next training session. That's what the gaffer said in the meeting. He said, "This is just the beginning. This is the start. So don't even think about trying to believe yourself that you, you've done it all or you don't need to to keep going. This is the start because it's just uh, it's the momentum. Just needs to keep going. We need to keep building. We need to we need to win the double. We need to win the the, the treble. We need to go far in Europa League. We need to." Get in the Champions League, we need to go far in the Champions League, so it never ends.
0: Does he still get involved in training? Does he? And 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 because I've seen some videos of you know like expert. Like I watch John Terry sometimes clips of him at Villa training, and he still got it. Has he? Has Steven Gerrard still got it? And does he show off sometimes?
2: He he joins in sometimes. So like, if a player's gone off injured and we're a man short sure during training, so he will he might he'll join in, or say like a, a spare man at the end of. A possession game he'll join in on one or two touch but yeah he, he's def, he's still got the quality you know if you're gonna give him the ball you know you're gonna he's gonna find you again um his tough I, I, to be fair i wish he joined in more because even just learning from when playing alongside him you're gonna learn and also when it's a game and he's actually playing properly in the game you know he's still he will tackle you tough <laughs> you, you you need to be careful because He's gonna he's gonna leave a, a foot in now and again.
0: I was gonna ask that, is he is he still really competitive as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, so yeah, you, you have to be careful. He's got to be
1: better than Gary McAllister. I played with Gary. <laughs> Gary was my roommate in the national game, right? And I'm watching him in the warm-ups. I'm watching him <laughs> on the park in the warm ups. He can't move now. He can't move, man.
2: Yeah, but and you that as well. Yeah, but you know what his excuse is—he doesn't need to move it because he's got the technique. He's got the ones, so he doesn't need to move. And, and I got to give it him—he—he—he he, he joins him, Say like if we're crossing and finishing, um, he—he he will be the sometimes he will do the, the delivery. He'll cross it in for us, and it's always on the money. Yeah, his, his technique is is still there. Trust me.
0: Tell us a bit, because we've spoken about what your reaction was like when, when you realised that you won the league and, and how weird it was that it's Celtic, that you had to kind of wait to see if they beat Dundee or what happened or actually if it was a, a nil-nil draw in the end, wasn't it? Which meant you won. So what were the celebrations like? And is there anything you can tell us that perhaps didn't make it onto social media?
2: Well, obviously the 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 rules were supposed to be no phones. So obviously, um, obviously a lot of people, you can get in trouble Doing the slightest thing nowadays with, 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 phones. Um, I think even the stuff you did see on social media, that definitely shouldn't have got out. So I'm not even sure. I think whether people face FaceTiming family, family friends and then the family or friends were screen screenshotting the FaceTime. It, it's getting so technical nowadays. <laughs> you literally just have to leave your phone at home to be safe. But no, it, it was, it was safe. Celebrations, it was good, funny celebrations. Um, But I I think that moment, a lot of people were in shock. I think the emotions were more shock and, I don't know, joyful. They they can't believe what's happened. Overwhelmed, they can't believe it. Um, And then I think the the following day, it was more, we've actually won here. Let's really be happy about
1: it. I'm imagining... I'm imagining through experience, Kemar. I'm talking through experience here. I would imagine guys like Alan McGregor quite enjoyed the celebration.
2: <laughs> no comment.
0: <laughs> We're not going to get any secrets out of him, we? You don't need to, Kemar. You
2: don't need to. <laughs> uh, you, could, you could see me at the next game and I could tell you some stories then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you looking forward to Champions League football next season?
2: One of my dreams and achievements that I wanted I want to do in football. One of them was Europa League football. Hence, why I I moved to Anderlecht to hopefully play in the Europa League. Whatever happened with that season and Corona and everything, then I ended up moving to Rangers. Then I was able to play Europa League football, and we've had a good run at it this season. So I'm I'm happy with that. And now Champions League, another thing on my bucket list that I I want to do. I want, like I said, when I retire, I want to tell myself, well, i I play Champions League here. But also, mm. playing Champions League, I don't want to just make the numbers up. I want to win games. I want to score goals. I want to look good in Champions League.
1: Well, I'll tell you something, Kem, I, I'm, I'm I'm so hopeful that next season, and I know it's going to happen, mate, Champions League those special nights, Tuesday and Wednesday at Ibrook Stadium, 50-odd thousand folk in, mate. It will be an. I can guarantee you, Kemar, it'll be an experience you'll look forward to and you'll remember for the rest of your life. It, it'll, be, it'll be wonderful, mate. And you all deserve it, I'll tell
2: you that. Yeah, I can't wait. And also, when I was signing for Rangers, I remember somebody telling me, you just wait for those... I don't know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights when you're walking out to the the music, the Champions League music or the Europa League music, you you yeah. just wait and it happened, We was walking out even though it was an empty stadium, but the Europa League music was playing, and that feeling that I always keep saying that feeling I can't explain that feeling. It, it it's something I'll ne- I'll never forget. It, it it gets you it gets you going. It makes you addictive. You you wanna you want more. You want to do it again.
0: What else is on that bucket list? Because um, obviously the, the pinnacle of everyone's game is is to play for their country. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like that's within reach?
2: I hope so. Yeah. I'm gonna keep working towards that. I'm. I see my fellow ex Leeds players, and they're getting yeah. spoken about with, with with England, which is 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 so so good because I remember. I was having conversations many years ago about if ever we was to play for England or the current England squad, this and that, and a few of the boys now have been able to get close. Calvin Phillips is there. There's other boys there now getting spoken about, and there's
0: calls for Bournemouth yeah. as well. Yeah, they? yeah,
2: and it's it's a, it's amazing to 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 witness it, to see it, and these sort of players deserve it because they put the work in. So, and I'm not surprised it, it's it's happening either. And hopefully I can I can do the same as well. It must be, I'm
1: thinking, and, and, and Laura's asking you on the bucket list, you've just about, I would imagine you've just about covered everything there in terms of you've got to, you can never ever give up on in, in your international dreams and aspirations. Kemba, that's obvious. And clearly this season has given you a taste for success, You yeah. know, which will hopefully continue at Rangers for, for a long, long time. I really... I really, I, I can't tell you, and, and would you would you back me up? It's such a thrill for me to have a, have a chat with you because I, I've been ecstatic for the last ten days, mate. Like <laughs> you've no idea, and I, I mean, and I just want, and on behalf of all the Rangers fans, I spoke to Davo and I spoke to Griegsy, but I just want to thank you and Tab and and all the boys for what you've given us this season, my friend.
2: Thank you, thank you. It means a lot, especially coming from yourself, and and. As players, we feed off that energy and the knowledge of how important it is to the fans and even to the ex-players. Everybody that's part of Rangers, it's a massive achievement that we've been able to do.
0: Come on, it's just been great having you on thank you so much and and so interesting as well to hear um, the way that you come back from knockbacks and, and the, the way that you learn about football and all those interesting things that you find um, has been brilliant for us so thank you so much for coming on and good luck for the rest of the season good luck for Champions League football next season as well
2: thanks a lot thanks for having me it's been a You're pleasure we need Do a double mate yes I yeah, know we have to we need to brilliant mate
0: There we have it. Kemar Roof. What a brilliant guest, Ali. How interesting was that?
1: It was everything I thought it would be, to be honest, where he would say he was magic. And it was it was fascinating because you didn't realise, and I didn't know beforehand, you know, the, the places he'd been in loan at, at such a young lad. You know, the chances he took, the gambles he took to, to get his career, you know, moving, going to Leeds United, and then another, a real opportunity to go to Anderlecht in Belgium. It's still, you know, a relatively young age and then back to Glasgow. No, and it, it, as I said, it was it was great to get an insight, not just to hear about the goals, but to see how he handles injuries. He's different managers, Appleton, Bielsa, Gerard. Yeah, I really, and knew I would enjoy it and boy, did I.
0: It was wonderful having you on. It was a real treat for me, um, especially. Bio, we think we'll be back next week, but if not, are you free, Ali?
1: I'm free. I said, is that John Inman that used to say that I'm, I'm showing my age again oh no I'm free you are
0: <laughs> I'm just going to go off on Google who that is um, Ali pleasure thank you so much for stepping in come back anytime we love having you on and uh, I'll see you in the morning on Talks Breakfast
1: Well, do thanks for having me
0: that was the wonderful Ali McCoy uh, just a reminder as well um, Super 6 Round is free to play again go onto the website go onto the app don't miss out just because it's an international break you can still play you don't want to miss out on a chance of winning the jackpot £250,000 as always this week thank you so much for joining us give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram as well at Super 6 and we will see you again next week